me a couple of hours and I'll be out the way. Uh, why are you all laughing? It is the Gospel of Luke, if you will join me there, the 15th chapter. Luke, the 15th chapter. Verses 11 to 17. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 17. This is how it reads, uh, reading from a, a little bit of a different version, but it's virtually the same as you follow along. Verse 11 of Luke 15. And he said a man had two sons, the younger of them, said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country and there he squandered his estate with loose living now when he had spent everything a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished so he went and hired himself out to um, one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I want you to especially the note-takers, and if you're not a note-taker, take some notes today. I want you to jot down these five words, just in case I lose you along the way to some sleepy eyes. <laughs> At least you'll have these five words down today. They're the words discontent. Disregard, distance, disengagement, and destitution. Discontent, disregard, distance, disengagement, destitution. You'll hear them over and over again, but let me give this list to you as we proceed once again. Discontent, disregard, distance, disengagement, destitution. I want to speak to you from this theme today, more Jesus, and that is the experience of spiritual drifting. The experience of spiritual drifting. Pastor Vic mentioned that uh, we've had a ball just hanging out over the weekend and just catching up on things and uh, reflecting more Jesus on years gone by and how long of the fellowship, um, for example, 
uh, these young men sitting in the back there, uh, the, uh, Stephanie's uh, two boys there and, and the little precious daughter, I had to connect the dots in talking to them uh, over the weekend as to how long it's been since we've known you all and we've had this fellowship. So it was me, Pastor Vic, and Tony. We sit there just chatting it up. And um, Pastor Vic said, well, they driving. I said, who's driving? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they driving. And then he and Tony just went on about the conversation. I said, y'all, please excuse me. I got to go back to what you, because my brain is not processing that these young men are, you know, teenage, I mean, later teens and what have you. So then I began, they, you know, other kids that they now are older and grown and the whole bit, it just really, really, it hurt my brain trying to process it. So, we, you know, things like that, just conversation and reflecting. But there was something you all that our world had experienced that we hadn't experienced in the modern era, and that was a pandemic. Out of all of the things that we shared and talked about, even some of the challenges of ministry and the whole bit, you know, God has been awesome. He's always good. But we begin to reflect on things, but that pandemic piece was something else. COVID-19, and I, I shared with other pastors because pastors were scurrying around, Pastor Vic, trying to figure, what, what, what are you guys doing over there at your church? And how, how this really took every pastor off their square, as it were, in terms of of, of the logistics and nuances of pastoring God's people. One of the things that we experienced, Sister Trudy, as a society was social distancing. We had become a society, a culture, that now had to learn how to stay away from each other. Uh, not only in the school, not only in recreational venues, but even in the church. We had to distance ourselves. Something, however, that I noticed during that time as a pastor was how physical social distancing affected the spiritual relationship with Almighty God. People begin to drift from the faith. People begin to really be challenged. And so right in the midst of the COVID experience, the Lord had given me this message that I've shared, of course, at New Hope first. But this very familiar parable he lifted up during this very challenging time, this emphasis on spiritual drifting. My prayer is that at the conclusion of this, and however anyone's hearing it by whatever medium, that we will have some tools to assess as to whether or not we are either in a spiritual drift, coming out of a spiritual drift, or at the verge, on the verge of spiritually drifting. How are we doing? So when we consider this experience of spiritual drifting, we see five stages of this, Sister Paris. Discontent, disregard, distance, disengagement, 
and then ultimately destitution. Now, that's the sermon, but that's too short. I can't preach this short. Y'all don't want me to stop now, I'm sure, don't we? But um, what we want to do that is critical is define what a drift is as we proceed, and I will expedite this going forward. When we speak of a drift, Webster defines a drift as an act or instance of being driven or carried along as by a current of air or water, here it is, or by circumstances. This, in terms of a, some what of a scriptural context, you all, is a parable or what we consider the parable of the prodigal son. It is the third of three parables uh, in this chapter. In other words, you have the lost sheep and the lost coin that is also referenced. This parable presents itself in our text today in response to the Pharisees and scribes' criticism of Jesus' interaction with sinners. The father's house, quote unquote, or the father, I'm sorry, in the parable represents God, our heavenly father. The primary point of this parable is the compassionate, patient, and forgiving love of our heavenly father. Aren't you glad he is compassionate? Look, Ernest Baker is glad that he serves a compassionate, patient father. In this text, though, even though the primary context is Jesus helping folk to see that God is patient, he is compassionate, he is forgiving, and the whole bit, the narrative of the parable leading up to the picture of what we see uh, demonstrated or symbolized in the father of this prodigal son, this narrative leading to that really is rich, you all. It helps us to see that there is a possibility, the possibility, to be a part of the family of God and still drift away from him. I'm submitting to you today that there is a such thing as spiritual drifting. And in this parable, Jesus and his omniscience, his, his wisdom, his unmatched wisdom is showing us that if we're not careful, we too can find ourselves in a spiritual drift. And this text gives us what that looks like. Don't you love the word of God? So we see in this text the beginning stage of spiritual drifting is discontent. Man, we could take three hours talking about discontent while in the Father's house. Verse 12 helps us to see that apparently this boy was not content living in dad's house. Well, how do we know that? He said, the scripture said, he said, Daddy, I want my share of the estate. I, I want What's due me, uh, you know, now. <laughs> Discontent means dissatisfaction, restless desire for something more or different. This parable, you all, the father's house is the uh, is what represents the sphere, if you will, of godliness. The the rim of the kingdom and the church and 
everything associated with the things of God is represented in this parable uh, by the father's house. God is represented by the father, but the father's house, you all, is represented by all things godly. And I'm just here to tell somebody that oftentimes, if we're not careful, we will become discontent in the Father's house. In other words, we will find ourselves uh, seeking after other things. We'll find ourselves restlessly doing so. We'll find ourselves dissatisfied and looking for something different and something more while in the Father's house. Did I tell you the Father in the parable represents God? Uh, the one who the Bible says the earth belongs to him, the world, the, fu the fullness thereof, everything that dwells in, the one, the God that spoke the universe into existence, that God, his house one can find themselves dissatisfied and seeking and searching for something else. Here are perhaps some examples to help you connect with this of some reasons, if you will, for discontent while in the father's house. Um, how about, for example, the lust of the flesh and the eyes can make one discontent while in the father's house. Uh, the love of the world can make folk discontent while in the father's house, while living under the rule and reign and the principles of the word of God. All of this represents the father and his house. And many times people are just dissatisfied because they are discontent in the father's house as they are aspiring to or desiring things that can't happen in father. Look, I grew up with dad and mom in the home. I grew up with one of them dads that was like, hey, you have options. If, if, you're not, if you ain't good here, you got some options now. You know, you, you can, and I mean, it been many days I tried them. Come home, doors locked. I keep wasn't working. God is God. He loves us. He loved us to the point at which he gave his only son, y'all. The cross wasn't that nice. But God demonstrated his own love toward us, Romans 5 and 8, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And you discontent in the Father's house? Yes, there are examples such as experiences of disputes and contention within the local church folk not getting along in the church so you become discontent unwillingness if you will to live according to the teachings of the holy bible some folk just don't like what the bible says some folk don't want to hear you say that marriage represents the relationship between christ and the church a wise, respected, love your husbands and, and submit to their leadership. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved church. Some of y'all about to run out of here now because I'm saying it. <laughs> we, we don't want to hear uh, forgive others and love your enemies. Nobody want to hear that. We don't want to hear giving sacrificially when it comes to the corporate body, the corporate church experience. There are things that the Bible says that make folk discontent while in the father's house. Um, the reasons, if you will, for one's discontent in the father's house is usually made evident, listen to this, during the disengagement stage of one's spiritual drifting experience. Let me say that again. Usually, because uh, as a pastor for the amount of time I've been pastoring, I have come across folk who were discontent in the father's house, dissatisfied. And what they would do is put a holy face to it. 
You know, they get all spiritual. I'm just not being fed here. Uh, I'm just not, you know, um, the, 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 just don't feel no love or whatever. They, you know, they're so. But then when you get to the disengagement phase, you really get to see what they were discontent about. But you got to hold on till we get there. Uh, there is discontent that begins this issue, this experience of spiritual Drifting, drifting away from the father's house. And it's something that we need to deal with now. Brothers and sisters, it's worth this extra minute on this particular point for me to say that for anybody, anywhere, who is just outright discontent, with where God has them. Deal with it now. Because as you'll see, these next phases are progressively worse. Handle it right now. Maybe you need to go tell somebody you love them who don't like you. Maybe you got to do something right. Listen. I, there's Romans, I, there's a, a, a passage that I've asked New Hope to read every day to add to whatever their daily devotional Bible reading is. Add the entire chapter of Romans chapter 12. There are 21 verses, and I'm probably the slowest reader in, in here. And even for me, it's about a five-minute, seven-minute read. Every day, Romans 12, the last verse, verse 21 says, be not uh, consumed, if you will, or overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I said that three times because that's how I read it. When I get to the end, Verse 21, because, you know, when all said and done, that was there. <laughs> okay, because I don't know. Y'all are going to leave me out here by myself. Sometimes I just want to be evil uh, because of how some stuff, then, you know, the way some folk may have treated me. I, let me be evil. But it says, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And with regard to this Discontent piece, you got to work through it, saints, because going forward, as I expedite this, is nothing nice, because next is disregard. When you are discontent, especially as it relates to the Father's house, you will ultimately disregard him. Disregard is defined as uh, to pay little or no attention to something. To pay little or no attention. This son, you all, in the parable, gave no attention or regard, as it were, to how well he had it in his father's house. This act of giving a child their inheritance before the father's death was not likely in that culture. It is as if the son was saying to his daddy, I wish you were dead. But if you hadn't handled the discontent, you'll find yourself too, to some degree, actually saying to the Father by your actions, your thought life, your recreation or whatever the case, that you are God dead to me. Discontent leads to disregard. And what we see, the flow in this parable, we see then 
distance in verse 13. Distance. The scripture said he went to a far country, I believe, in the King James Version. He got away as far as he could go. Mind you, another character in the scripture. His name was Jonah. You notice right in the first chapter, God gave Jonah a directive, an assignment. And I believe verse 2 or verse 3 of that, that uh, first few verses of Jonah, the verse began with but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, when, when God says something and the next word is but, B-U-T, uh, Reverend Anderson uh, at our church uh, preached a message doing the but. <laughs> yeah, because that's what so many do when God speaks. But distance, you all, means having a gap or a space between uh, being separated. When one is in a spiritual drift, it is at this point of their drift that they seek to separate themselves from any person, place, or thing associated with the Father's house and ultimately find themselves, look here, in a place or state of separation. Look at how progressively worse this gets. Let me put it in our context today. If you don't deal with the discontent, the issue of being able to follow God, to live according to his statutes and his uh, mandates and what have you, and to live according to his system, his kingdom agenda, when you have some stuff going on, ask him to deliver you from that, and he will. God will give you that peace, Sister uh, um, Vic, that will actually enable you to rid yourself of that discontent peace. Because if not, you begin to disregard the blessings of being in the Father's house, of being associated with him as his son or daughter. And that will lead to distance. Look at this even from a church standpoint, and this is what I saw during COVID. That that social physical distancing translated for some into a spiritual distancing, where people begin to drift and circumstances, their relatives passing away, and every time you turn the news on, I know I would imagine would be here too, but the county was given an account every day on how many people have died and all of that, uh, that, that, that's deep. And if it's not dealt with, you'll find yourself drifting, and then you'll get to a point where there's a considerable amount of distance between you and the Lord. And this is where this boy found himself. But that distance stage then leads to disengagement. Disengagement, we see this in verse 13 with him, is defined as freedom from obligation. It's withdrawal from a stated policy or previous involvement or position. Uh, a good, good example of this, and I'm not talking about Modis because y'all good. Y'all don't have these type of issues. So just think about New Hope as I say this. The first thing that happens when folk get discontent, they begin to disregard, then they put distance. A lot of times it begins with their money. They put distance. They put, well, Jesus don't have that problem, so I'm trying to teach you something today. They put distance in their giving, distance in their participation, People who have roles and responsibilities and what have you now have become disengaged. Pastors deal with the disrespect even 
during the disengagement, people where folk won't even tell you. I, I know I had to follow up with, with folks who had roles. Dude, where you at? I, I, can you at least text me, tell me something, so I'll know what I need to do. But disengagement is huge. This stage of, dis, of disengagement in your spiritual drifting experience happens in the place of separation. So this disengagement, we see kind of highlighted in the scripture because the scripture said, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. The, the place where you find yourself during your spiritual drifting is manifest, if you will, during this disengagement phase. And so what this young man found was that there was an actual place, Sister Trudy, where he can really act out, live out what he really wanted to do in the first place that caused his discontent. This is where you find out what people really want to do. But let me bring it home so you understand this. Um, what I found, those who were spiritualizing the reasons they wasn't showing up anymore, they weren't involved with anything relative to uh, the kingdom and the father's house. What I found was that, okay, then if it ain't the father's house, if it's not what it was, then what is it? And I found that they had filled the gap, that distancing phase, they filled the gap with a lot of other things, even vices, please hear this, even vices the Lord delivered them out of, they went back to because of this drifting sequence. And this boy found himself in this disengagement stage where one spiritual drifting experience, the reason for it emerges. In the case of this son, in the parable, we see obviously it was the desire for the world driven by the lust of his flesh, which led him to this last phase, verses 14 to 16. That is destitution. We may verbalize it as rock bottom. This destitution or this state of lacking the Necessities of life is where one will find themselves. Spiritual destitution is living bereft of the profound benefits and privileges uh, experienced in the Father's house and the incomparable feeling of being near unto him versus separation from here. Uh, from him. Here in this place of destitution, you all, the people, the places, or the things that serve to drive the spiritual drifter further from the Father are now nowhere to be found and unable to help him. What happens if you're not careful, you'll find yourself dissatisfied with the Christian life. That will then create a disregard for who God is and who God has been to you. That disregard will then lead you to become more distant from anything remotely associated with the things of God. Then you become disengaged. And I'll even say, Pastor Vic, that in that disengagement stage, 
you actually are not even living like a Christian. You have cut yourself off. Now, let me say this parenthetically. The father ain't gone nowhere. God ain't done nothing to you. He's still God. He's the same God who handled everything for you at the beginning. He has not moved. Where God going to move to? Where God going to run to? Where else? What other place in the universe? He, he has it in the palm of his hand. You the one running. Distant. Disengaged and now destitute. I don't know about you, but I've been spiritually destitute before. Well, I have known better. I've known what God said about how to live a God-fearing life. I knew he was there for me. But apparently, I was dissatisfied with being as close to him as I felt I was. Because, and this is good for young people to hear, because it looked like there was some other stuff that I wanted to be a part of that was not consistent with godliness. So maybe, maybe you, you, you want to dabble in this and that, various lifestyles that are not consistent with biblical writ. You begin then to disregard what God has provided for you. You become distant. You don't want to connect with nobody. And then you are disengaged. You cut yourself off. Change your phone number. Change your Facebook, whatever. Your social media presence. You got other type of folk you're hanging with now. Other type of people that you, you seem to have embraced and their lifestyles and such. And you think you balling. Think you're living it up until you become destitute. And all of those who are around you, when you had something to give them, when what you had to give ran out, not where everybody at, and left you destitute. That scripture, did y'all read that with me? It said nobody was giving him anything. That's the experience of spiritual drifting. So I'm a sucker for a good story, a happy ending. I don't want to leave y'all right there, you know. What kind of y'all be like, man, he brought me down. I left church all despondent. Here it is. Verses 17 to 24. I'm not going to read them, you all. This is your homework. Read it later. Verses 17 to 24, you all, gives us the answer, the, the solution. It gives us the antidote with regard to your spiritual drifting experience regardless to where you are on that continuum you may just be in that um, discontent phase and I, I pray and I'm serious with this because I'm about to close it out but I want you to really really understand this many people are in church discontent they're not happy, not satisfied. They're restless in their spirit. It doesn't help that the world that we live in is becoming more and more, more increasingly anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible. Our children born now are born into a culture 
where you can be ostracized by just being a Christian in this country. So the enemy makes it look as though you missing out being in the Father's house. So people begin to get mean in church and, you know, weird. Don't all of a sudden don't talk. You be thinking it's you. Eh, no, it's somebody that's in a discontent phase of their spiritual drifting. All kind of internal stuff and what have you. Discouragements and all types of personal things that lend to that type of a space in their heart. You got to deal with this discontent phase. But the answer, the remedy, as it were, is twofold. We see with this young man these two areas reflection and repentance. Reflection and repentance. The experience of spiritual drifting begins with discontent, which leads to, if it's not dealt with, disregard, which leads to distance, which leads to disengagement, which ends up in spiritual destitution. I remember the place of destitution for my spiritual drift. I remember in that particular place, y'all, I was, look, I, I hate to gross you out, but my tears and snot soiled that carpet. <laughs> Prostrate, asking myself, Ernest, how in the H-E-double-L did you wind up in this place? Me? Pastor's son? Listen, I'm a third generation preacher, Baptist minister. My daddy was my pastor. His biological dad was a minister who passed early on in his life. And his stepdad was a minister, the granddaddy I knew. Grew up in the church. Knew what the Bible said. In this particular case with the spiritual drift, I even taught the Bible. How in the world did I wind up destitute? How did I get here? And I'm telling you, if you've never been there, it's a place you don't want to wind up. You don't want to be there. You don't want to, I'm still, so many years later, living some of the experiences, some of the residual stuff from decisions that I made back then. Young people, please hear me. Supplies to you, probably more so or as much at least as us adults. Ask God right now to help you be content with him. But wherever you find yourself, so Paris, there's reflection, there's repentance. Verse 17 said this. After hitting rock bottom in this destitute state, the scripture says, when he came to his senses. <laughs> you, you know, Look, come to your senses. If you're there, because I had that, that's what I had to do on that floor, in that place that represented my discontent and my disengagement and the whole bit, that place where I found myself isolated from everybody that could help me. I had to stop and think, what in the world am I doing here? And that began the process of turning it around. It is critical, you all, that one begins to reflect on how much better it was when in the Father's house. 
In other words, living under his lordship, care, compassion, and etc. Reflection means you got to think about how good you had it in the Father's house. When experiencing spiritual drifting, it is a great idea, you all, to prepare a sort of reflection checklist that may look similar to the following. For example, was I provided for in my father's house? Check. Was I loved in my father's house? Check. Was I healed in my father's house? Check. Was I saved in my father's house? Check. Let, let me bring it closer to home. Uh, was he a lawyer in the courtroom? Check. Was he a doctor in the sick room? Check. Did he provide for me when I had nothing? Check. Did he heal my marriage? Check. Did he provide safety for my children? Check. Has he kept me? Even when I was out of my own mind, check. I'm here to tell you today that our father's house is the best place to be in. I'm trying to help somebody today. I don't want you to find yourself destitute. You don't have to experience that. You don't have to experience disengagement. You don't need to be distant. Reflect on who God has been. Oh, my God, I get moved when I think about what he's done for me. When I think about how he's been there, when I think about when I wasn't even thinking about him, what he provided, even in my destitute state, he was there. Reflect on what you got in the father's house. You all hear me today? Reflect on what you got in the Father's house. I know sometimes it looks like the grass is greener on the other side. I know it looks like perhaps you can go another route and accomplish some of the desires you have today. I know it seems like nothing is getting what we think better, but there's no better place than in the Father's house. No better place. No better place. No better place, you all. Did I say no better place? Than the Father's house. And you got to make that checklist for yourself. In my destitute state, I made that, I did that reflection piece. What in the world am I doing here? Got to the point where literally I ain't had no money. I, I disengaged myself from all of those resources. Had people in my life, God-fearing people, who wouldn't have thought twice about providing what I needed. But I cut myself off because of the spiritual drift. You need to reflect, and finally, as I close, you need to repent. Repentance. Verses 20 to 24, and I think I will read, uh, read that, verses 20 to 24. At this particular place, Scripture says, so he got up, this was after his reflection, and came to his father. Man, what a picture of repentance. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Repentance says, yeah, you got to admit, yep, yep, you did sin, son. <laughs> uh, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine, this daughter of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost. She was lost and has been found. And they begin to celebrate. I tell you, repentance is simply the acknowledgement of your sin. But with it, you're not supposed to just say I sin, but with it, it is a change. The cha you got to change the direction of your lifestyle when experiencing spiritual drifting. And our Father, y'all, is already awaiting you, already awaiting your return from drifting. There's hope if you find yourself on this drifting continuum. The father has gone nowhere. As a matter of fact, the father's heart is hurting on your behalf because he loves you beyond imagination. And I'm just here to say today that God had already shown his love for us. The scripture tells us, as we referenced earlier in Romans 5, that while we were sinners, the, the couple of verses ahead of that said, while we didn't even, in essence, have anything to bring to the table, we were worthless. While we could not reciprocate anything from him with regard to our salvation, God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. He went to Calvary's cross, you all bore our sin debt, the sin debt of all humanity who would receive it, crucified him on that cross. He died and was buried. At that point, I can see you thinking it's hopeless. But the Bible says that on the third day, he rose again. Praise God, somebody. And God then is certainly able to receive you back during your spiritual drifting experience. And I want to encourage you today that he's got you. He's waiting for you to return home. Handle this, you all. Mo Jesus, handle this. Handle it today. Wherever you are in that, continue. Go before the Lord because the Father is waiting. Let's give God praise.